Welcome to The Outside Story, a podcast that is dedicated to reviewing film and TV shows from an outside perspective. We are three second-generation Asian-American siblings who grew up in Northern California. Before listening to our podcast, we recommend that you watch the film or TV show that is being discussed. For our first episode, we are reviewing a Korean film called Burning. Thanks for tuning in. You got some facts for us for the movie? Like director, starring... I did not look up any of that stuff. No, no, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start off then. Let me see. Just do it real quick. Well, the director is Lee Ching Dong. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring An Yu, um, Steven Yun, and I forgot the girl's name. Jong Se Jun. Jong Se Jun, yeah. Yeah. It was released two years ago. Um, premiered May 17, 2018. No, that was last year, not two years ago. My bad. <laughs> Jong Su bumps into a girl who used to live in the same neighborhood as him who asked him to look after a cat while on a trip to Africa. When back, she introduces Ben, a mysterious guy she met there, who confesses a secret hobby. I didn't hear about Bernie until Jess told me about it, simply because Steven Yeun was in it, and I was really curious to kind of see what other kind of avenues he was exploring after his big Walking Dead stuff. And so I watched it yesterday and finished it today, so I kind of broke it up into pieces. And uh, throughout the film, I was kind of having some difficulties uh, staying attentive onto it. So like, I would have to take breaks here and there just to kind of even out the pacing of the film and whatnot. But uh, just hearing about it being like a drama mystery and just kind of diving into like the South Korean film. Because uh, South Korean films are uh, a lot more different than most other film uh, industries from other regions. Like, especially amongst uh, Asian films, uh, like... It's like Korean films way different from Hong Kong films and uh, Chinese films. And I think the other last Korean film I saw was probably The Villainous. And so this was like a pretty big turn from um, from that. And Burning, I thought, was uh, very interesting. It's more of a story that kind of follows like this this character. And you just kind of kind of go through what he kind of lives through. There's no real plot, so to say. It's more of like his kind of lifestyle and you kind of get stuck into his perspective his views his shoes basically and you just kind of you feel for the kid because like you know he's he just finished college and you know looking for a job very like aspiring ambitious writer but like just with everything that's kind of going on around him he's just kind of like man like the real world's hitting him he doesn't know what to do and a lot of it is a uh, um relatable for sure for a lot of people our generation who are just kind of going through the same thing when like when they're done with school either high school or college or whatever it's like man like what is it what do we do you know and i think that's really the one of the big one of the big questions that this character kind of goes through and uh, just based on whatever the circumstances that's how he just kind of goes and sorts on uh goes and like reacts to it and such so but yeah, and plus, I thought uh, Shin Hemi was really cute when I, when I first saw her. Just the way she was introduced and everything, I thought was really cute. I would agree that it did kind of feel like a slice-of-life sort of film. Just when you had said that 
it was a thriller. I was expecting kind of more. I was expecting more like searching. I don't. You haven't seen it yet, but Larry, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like searching is just you know you're on the edge of your seat the entire time. Um, but for this one, you know you're kind of like eased into like the kind of just like the norm normalities of life, and you're kind of just thrown into the story. And yeah, I feel like. At the end of it, I felt like nothing happened, but then everything happened. You know,、um, that's just kind of how I felt about it. Jess, did you want to give your initial reactions and stuff, or do you want me to go? Sure. So I watched this is I watched it two times, and、um, the first time it was not bad quality, but it was like really little, and I was like watching it. I was like, "What is going on? Like, I don't know what I'm watching. I didn't know what was going on." So I was like, "But then after the, my first initial watch of it, I was like, 'Okay, let me Google it and look up, you know, things because I'm sure people have talked about it.' So I looked up some stuff, and I was like, 'Wow! Like, I wasn't really paying attention because I'm not used to this type of movie. Just the way it was laid out, because it's it's not like I guess like a normal like." Movie that you would see, like in a in a like an American film, you know what I mean. So when I first saw, I was like, okay, this is weird. Don't know what I'm watching, but now I'm watching it again. I'm like, okay. I was like, I need to watch this again and pay attention so that I actually know what's going on. So the second time watching it, obviously because of this podcast, I paid a lot more attention to just like. To characters and you know what the lines they were saying, you know their actions and just things like that. But、um, my first initial thoughts of the movie, I was like, I kind of almost didn't like it because it was really, really slow. Like they say, it was like a slow burn, and I was like, it really was because I was like, oh, what did I just watch for like two and a half hours? But but then after watching it a second time and like kind of reading up on it, I was like, okay. I get it a little bit more than I did like the first time around. Again, I really liked it. Just like the different things they talked about,、um, not on the surface, but kind of just like below the surface. Like it wasn't like really like blatant or like in your face. Like each character was also like very interesting and very unique, which we don't. I mean, we see often in movies, but it was just. Interesting how they brought all these three characters together because they were so different, and、um, yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was really good, and I kind of almost just want to watch it a third time, but I, I don't think that'll be soon. But I want to watch it like one more time. Yeah, I think waiting like a few moments, like、uh, maybe like another couple weeks or so, and then watching it again, or maybe even a year. Like you'll come back and watch it and see a totally different perspective on it,、mm-hmm. um, and that's what's happened to me when I when I always or when I watch Annihilation. I think I watched it、um, last time when Jonathan was here. I watched it with him again. I'm like, man, Jonathan, like this is my fourth time seeing this film. You have no idea how much more I'm still learning from this film, and so、um, it was already a year by then, and so yeah, like definitely like、uh, this is the kind of film that. I think every the more you watch it again, the more you can really pick out from it, and、mm-hmm. uh, it it is like a slow burn. I agree, it's so slow.、Um, I've seen slower, I've seen worse slower films than this, <laughs> but、um, at least you know, with this film, it's at least it's pacing itself slowly,、yeah. 
and uh, it's so interesting because how like how they do the passage of time you can't really tell how much time has passed but you know time has passed and uh that's what it feels like watching the film yeah (laughs) right you have to really really pay attention like there was this point where the main female protagonist comes back from africa and um I was it was ta- I was talking to one of my roommate or I was talking to my roommate about it because he was watching it with me. And he was like, "Yeah, like two weeks went by." I was like, "It did," um, and it, it they actually did say that two weeks went by because he was feeding the cat for like two weeks or something. Oh, and I, didn't I was catch like, that. "Oh yeah, that's true." Like he like the second time he went to the apartment to feed the cat, he tells the cat like it's been two weeks, and so like I thought the whole time like. That, that the girl was just stuck in the airport, like, for three days. Like, that's that's what I thought, but... Oh, really? Yeah, but I was like, oh, it makes more sense that she's um, she's she's gone for two weeks. Yeah, um, so my initial reaction, I watched it with uh, my roommate, um, and I watched it with a friend of mine at the same time, the three of us watched it, and not really sure what I was getting into, but kind of right off the bat, I figured it was a more of an indie sort of film. That's kind of the feel that I got from it. Like the slower, much more slice of life sort of thing. And so I was just trying to pay attention because I feel like in, in, a, in a film like Burning, everything is important, you know? Everything everything that the, that the director shows you, every shot, it just has so much impact on the story. And so I enjoyed it. It was a good film. Um, I never wanted to stop watching it, even though it was long. I wanted it to end well. That's that's kind of what kept me going. Was like I, I I am starting to kind of feel for the main character and and kind of feel his frustration. And so I liked it. That's kind of my initial reaction. I think it was interesting enough. So let's talk about the characters a little bit. What did you guys think of the main character? What's his name? Jungsu. Yeah, Jungsu. Well, the first things I noticed was he was very like nonchalant, very introverted and emotionless like you can see that like he rarely showed emotion like in scenes i liked him and i think he did a really good job the actor did a really good job because i was looking at um or i was watching like interviews that he did and and just looking up things about him and usually like this type of role like he it's not something he would usually take because he like in previous like Korean films or dramas he's like super like passionate and fiery and like angry so I'm like that's interesting that he took on something a role like this which was totally opposite of what he usually does but I think he did a really good job Hmm, that's interesting I didn't I didn't know that yeah um yeah I, I thought the main character was really interesting he uh, definitely took on the persona of like being a writer, you know, kind of what Larry had mentioned um, that he's just an aspiring writer. And he like, I feel like he pays attention to a lot more things than other people do. I think if other people were in his situation, I don't think they would pick up all the small little details about the character Ben as mm-hmm. much. So yeah, I I think that he was a he, he was a really, really well-written character and at times like innocent, but by the end of the film, <laughs> um, not, you so know, innocent. not so innocent. <laughs> like he, he doesn't really have he doesn't have anyone really. His mom was already gone, his sister's there, but we just hear mentions of her. We don't ever see her. 
and all he had was his father and his father as as we kind of go throughout the film he was uh, he was charged with the with a criminal offense and mm-hmm. so i remember there, there was a scene where he was sitting down writing on his like computer i'm like oh he actually got back to writing and then <laughs> yeah i was like up. if he's a writer i don't see him writing anything mm-hmm. like i know it's that it, writers don't write all the time but still yeah he was writing and then <laughs> it was just him writing the letter of petition for his father i'm like oh <laughs> you're not writing writing you're writing <laughs> and like like just with that like he has a he has good intentions most most of the time. He has good intentions, except for the very last five minutes. He has good intentions, you know, like him wanting to help his father out and him wanting to help Amy and even like responding to Ben. And, you know, he's just like, he's just, I guess like he's just trying to be like the, the, the guy that's kind of cool with everything. But then that kind of gets tested throughout the whole film. You kind of really start to see how it kind of irks him a lot. Like, when he gets those phone calls in the middle of the night, he was just sort of like, okay, whatever. But then as this, as the film went on, he got really irritated by it. And so you kind of see this innocence transformation. He kind of goes on from, like, you know, a kid who just finished college, has ideas about things, what he wants to do. And then you kind of see him get affected by people from the outside world. And then you start to kind of see, like, what it does to him. Right, right. Yeah, and the thing you said about him being a writer and, like, him, like, like, the first time we see him in front of a computer writing was writing that letter, the petition to the judge. But the second time we see him writing is towards the end of the film when he is um, sitting in Amy's room very creepily, you know, like, after he kind of had, like, a sexual sort of fantasy thing happen in that room, he, like, gets up and then writes, you know? (laughs) It's just kind of this really kind of awkward like scene and you're just like, oh, is the film going to end here or is there more? Um, And it kind of begs the question of like whether or not he really did kill Ben at the end um, because he's sitting in front of that typewriter. Like, is he just writing out that he killed Ben, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Did it really happen? Like, who knows, right? Well, I know we're talking about characters right now, but just kind of jumping off that, like... I was reading something and, you know, they were saying, like, there's this really fine line between, like, reality and, like, uh, like fiction or, like, fantasy. Like, we, we can't, we don't know from, like, our perspective, like, which is which. Because, obviously, we're only seeing it from jong perspective. This whole thing could be, like, fiction. And he can just be writing this whole thing. Or, we don't know, like, it could be real. Uh, let's move on to Hamey. Um, I think Hamey is a very interesting character, kind of like Jiangsu. She seems very like innocent and naive, but then she also like when she's talking about like the little hunger and like like the great hunger, like you can you just you can tell like from just like talking about stuff like that that she's she's yearning for like more out of life than like just what is what she's in right now you know at some like crappy job and not sure what she's doing like she's longing for more like to know like the meaning of life so yeah I think she's a really interesting character and um even though she doesn't she's not in most of the film she's like maybe like the first I don't know like the first, not even the first half. Like I don't even know, but oh, like the first hour. Yeah, like the first hour of the film. Like, but she played such a big role. 
Yeah, she was the driving point for pretty much the whole film. And I think when we first see her, when she's first introduced, it, it didn't seem like she would be a very important character at all until she started really to establish like who she was to the main character. And uh, it's, it's interesting because like, she tries to alleviate her, um, uh, just like Jung just like Jung-soo who's had like who do, who's not who's not very social as so much like you can see Haimi's not very as social as well and uh it's hard for her to make connections with people and it's hard for her to uh, make friends and such mm -hmm. so she's always like by herself she always kind of keeps to herself and she always just tries to do the little things to kind of keep her interested and entertained in a lot of things and uh but for some reason it's just you know like like you said jess it's like sometimes like you know she wants more you know yeah like i'm pretty sure Amy's had encounters with other people as well um, but she's never really opened up as much as to jung Su. perhaps like no one's really judged her you know as like oh you know she's weird oh she you know she's she a little quirky she's a little weird you know um but that's what make that's what makes her her you know and maybe perhaps no one else except for Jong Soo and maybe Ben, they never really took that to really like, take her as she is. That's what I saw in her when, when I was just kind of watching the film. Like, yeah, she's the kind of person who feels like she doesn't have to mold into other people's expectations, except I think perhaps the only real thing that she did was maybe plastic surgery. But besides that, like everything else, like her personality is still the same. She's not mm -hmm. like trying to fake herself out to get more friends and whatnot. So... That's what I really liked about Amy. Yeah, another thing, like, I noticed about her was just, like, this really deep, like, sadness. I mean, we mm -hmm. kind of see a glimpse of, like, her mom and her sister, but we don't ever get, like, a backstory of, like, what happened. I mean, she, I mean, her sister kind of said, like, something about, like, credit card debt. Like, hey, like, when she's finished paying that off and then she can come back home or something like that. But, yeah, you just sense this, like, sadness that you know because maybe she doesn't because even when she introduces Jongsu to Ben she says this is my one and only friend that's so weird why would you introduce someone like that to someone you, you know to like another friend like this is my one and only friend so I don't know that just it, it seemed very curious to me yeah I, I, I think that's a pretty good that's a really good observation that you know there was this sort of sadness with with her, and I think also with um, with Jong Su as well. With Haimi, I think you know she, at least for me, like she kind of represented this sort of like carefree like spirit. Even though she had no money like to go and travel, she did it anyway. And she like you know was taking her clothes off like in front of like dudes and in public, and she was like dancing and stuff like that. Um, and there's just you know there's just weird moments where it's just kind of like okay. Like, why are you doing that? And I think she's just this, like, really good example of, like, what it what it looks like to be carefree and what it looks like to be... I don't want to say happy. I don't know if she was ever really happy, but I, I would say that I think out of the three of them, she was the most... She was the one kind of making the most out of her circumstances, you know? At least that, that's yeah. kind of how I felt. Um, yeah, and just kind of, like, taking life by the reins and kind of doing what she wanted to do, you know, and not letting anybody stop her from doing that. And I think that that's, like, something that Jung Soo kind of, like, looked for, and I think that's why he was probably so into her, was because of that. And also maybe because she was the only one who paid him any attention, but I think also just kind of, like, this this deeper, like, desire for 
like for wanting to be carefree. Yeah, I agree with that. Like she just seemed very carefree and almost like kind of not caring about well, like what other people thought about her. Like she was just free in who she was. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anything else about her? If not, we'll move on. Yeah, no, I'm good. good. Yeah, I'm good too. Okay, let's talk about Ben. <laughs> what did you guys think? Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> ben is the foil for sure of Jong Su, and I think it became more apparent when, uh, right after the airport scene, when they went to go have lunch or something. And when Jung Soo goes out, hey, you know, he's going to take Hemi home. And um, Ben has his, like, Porsche in the front. And then, you know, like, this really nice car. Ben's, like, really good looking compared to Jung Soo, that kind of thing. And so, like, you, I, I can already sense that, you know, Jung Soo's already, he's feeling a little insecure. But he's also, like, comparing himself. It's like, you know, who is this guy to Hemi? And um, Ben is such an interesting character because it's, like, you don't really know too much about like his backstory where he comes from his family compared to the other two who have who you know a lot more about their family so ben is just sort of like this this mysterious dude who you know who likes to have fun all you know is like he has a lot of money and it's so interesting because we start to kind of see ben's more of um it's it's weird because he has he has a front but not really and so it's it's this weird dynamic of like he he's hiding something but he's doing such a good job at like hiding it you can't tell if he's like if if he is being really serious about something or not and he, he he holds that mask in front of him throughout the whole film you don't like even though we know he has this other side to him we just never see it he talks about it he brings it up here and there but like all his actions and all his whatever, like you don't, you don't see it throughout the whole film. So it's all just speculation and such. So uh, I've always found that very interesting. Ben's character, you know, from the get go, he's you can tell he's like calm, cool, collected, like really suave and like effortless. But I, similar to like all the other characters, he also has this like, even though he's rich and he has like all these things, he also has like this sense of like longing uh even though like even like in like scenes with like like with his friends like he's not even interested remotely interested in what they're doing like he's just there to hang out and kind of do whatever just because you know he's used to doing it but you can tell like he's bored like he'd rather be doing something else i think ben is probably like the most interesting character out of the three of them you guys had already kind of talked about it already, but, like, just to reiterate that, like, it's really hard to hate Ben. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's really hard, because there's, you, you're really given no reason to hate him, except for the fact that he came back, you know, with yeah, with Hamey. it's almost just, like, just from Jong-Soo's perspective, it's almost like he's hinting that Ben is bad, but we haven't seen him do anything bad. So it's just like, mm, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to dislike Ben. Um, he seems like a really nice guy, and he doesn't. He's not like super pridefully arrogant in the things that he owns or the things that he does. He's just kind of like you guys said, calm and cool, collected. But then he has like these like serial killer tendencies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. He has like 
a really organized house that's like spotless. Like his towels are folded into like rectangles. And even when like Jongsu goes looking around in the bathroom and he pulls out stuff, it's like、um, these look like collectibles of you know of women that you killed and you just like want to take trophies. Like, yeah, it was a little creepy. Right, right, yeah, and yeah, and like there was this one part I think where I think it was at the dinner that they had after they came back from Africa. I think Hamy was crying and. Ben says something like, "Oh yeah, I I think it's interesting when people cry, or like I like it when people cry." And Jungsu is like, "Why is that?" And Ben just goes, "Cause I don't think I've ever cried before, you know." And so that's just kind of like, "Okay, that's kind that's of weird, right?" Like that's creepy. But he just kind of has this like like this weird air about him. But then like at the same time, he's also kind of likable. I think Ben is also like on a very very different. If we if we want to put these guys、uh, all the characters on like a spectrum, Ben is kind of like the f- like the furthest away from the other two, just because I feel like and maybe we can move on into themes and stuff like that also. But in the film, like there's this huge disparity from like the other two characters because the other two characters are poor and Ben is really rich, and so like there's just kind of like this weird tension already. It almost feels as if Ben is like pitying them, and you get this feeling that Jungsu doesn't want to be there because he doesn't want Ben to have pity on him, you know.、Um, and the only reason why he、uh, Jungsu puts up with this is so that he could be with Hami, and just the fact that you know, like he's the rich dude and he's the one who kills the poor girls, you know, who don't like they don't have anything going for them, you know.、Um, mm-hmm. I think that speaks a lot into what the director. Like wanted to say about classism. Yeah, I think it's so interesting though, because Ben and Jungsu are kind of, in terms of like their feelings and emotions, it does feel like they're the same. Because what Ben is in a way pretty emotionless throughout the whole film, and you know, same with Jungsu, right? They don't really portray that kind of emotion, and so I just thought that was interesting because it's like you know, they're in a way the only thing that's really keeping them foil. Ish like、uh, opposite is you know definitely their their classism you know one's rich one's poor if you really want to think of it this way they're both just as crazy <laughs> yeah they're both just as crazy you know if they're very like in their head a lot of the times and but it's so weird because like they're different kinds of crazy perhaps it's where Jungsu's crazy is more I feel it's more because of、um, him not being. With others as much, you know, him only having to depend on himself, rely on himself, his family, whatnot, you know, not being as sociable. But compared to Jungs,、uh, compared to Ben, who is very sociable, who does have a larger crowd, but you know, even though they came from from different upbringings, they're both still just crazy. And it just kind of goes to show you, like,、uh, perhaps your upbringing or whatever things, your environment, it can raise you, but it still, in a way, can't really change who you are. Yeah, I I agree that Jungsu is 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 a little like whack in the head.、Um, I mean, you know, just because he just has these like、uh, like the whole thing about like like when when he had lost his virginity. I'm assuming he lost his virginity to Hami, and he wasn't even like looking at her. He was just, like staring into the wall and like staring out the window, you know. And he'd have moments where he came back and he. Like pleasured himself, you know, while looking out the window, you know, in her room, and 
like, yeah, that's crazy. Like, that's mental. <laughs> you know? That's like, dude, you don't do that stuff. That's creepy and weird. And yeah, just don't do that. But yeah, I agree. Like, they, they're they both kind of a little not right in the head in their own way. Mm-hmm. Something I caught the lawyer saying, you know, when he was talking to Jong was talking to his the his dad's lawyer and you know the lawyer was asking Jong Su like hey what are you up to what are you doing now he's like I'm writing or whatever and the lawyer asks aren't all protagonists crazy and I was like whoa I was like yeah I was like Jong Su is crazy a little bit so yeah just like talking about the different spectrums of of a little psycho and mental illness <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting, you know. It's like he's a writer, but we never see him write like like we what we said earlier, you know. So it kind of it kind of begs the question like is this all real? Let's talk about themes. What are some themes you guys noticed in this movie? The only real thing I can really think of, well, well not themes right now, but foreshadow wise, it, it's just more I saw more foreshadow than themes itself. So like uh, I remember when they were in the elevator going to Ben's place. Uh, this is like near the end when Jong Su was going up to uh, to the apartment and then it said fourth floor. In Asian cultures and countries, there's never a fourth floor because four is like it's it's bad luck. It also means death. Why is there a fourth floor in this building? Oh, I, I, I didn't even pay it, attention to that. Yeah, it's because like it's so weird. Like I, that's the only thing. That's a real big thing I noticed. Of, like of all things to really foreshadow and think about, that was the weirdest thing to foreshadow about. It it just kind of shows like it's very subtle, and it just kind of goes goes to kind of show more of Ben's character and such. I don't know how it is in, in Korea. I don't know if they have a fourth floor in Korea, but I know like in China for sure. I think China and Japan. I don't think they have a fourth floor in their apartment buildings and buildings and whatnot. I think another foreshadowing thing was when Jung Su first opens the bathroom dresser, um, when he's like snooping around, uh, I was like looking at the, the bracelet that stood out the most was probably this, I think it was spelling Michelle, but you know, it's missing like an I and whatnot. And so I was like looking at like, Oh, like that's, those are names. I'm like, Oh, or like they're, they look like keepsakes of something or whatever and whatnot. One of the big things regarding that is because Ben calls it burning greenhouses when he kills, when he goes and kill, basically. But like, it's, it's so weird, like why he would call it greenhouse of all things, you know, like why a greenhouse? And uh, with that, it brings him like a lot of joy when it comes to him, like, uh, like performing those activities. And then he goes and says, "Oh yeah, this greenhouse is, uh, it's close to you." Jongsu, you know, it's very, very close to you. And there are times where, you know, sometimes it's so close to you, you can't even see it. It's just like these very interesting little details. Not necessarily, I can't really think of themes right now, but like in terms of like details, just like little things that kind of contribute a lot more to more to the characters themselves than the actual uh, story in terms of themes. So yeah, I think themes for me, the biggest theme that kind of comes out is this idea of mystery. You don't really ever really know what's happening and what's going on. Like, for example, like the the phone calls, you know, like in the middle of the night. They would come and then like he'd pick them up and then there'd be nobody on the other side. I just think like it, it kind of bothers me. Like, who who was it? Um, I, I My theory is that I don't think anyone was calling. He was probably just picking it up because he felt like he was alone. Creepy. That's, that's what I think. <laughs> that's what I think. Because... Like, it makes sense, 
from a character perspective, it makes sense why, like, like if, if I were, like, same thing as from, like, a writer perspective or, like, a director's perspective, it makes sense to do that. And it does kind of show his kind of isolation he lives in. I mean, come on, like, his house is in a farm in the middle of nowhere, several acres away from other farms. And near the North Korean border. Yeah, and near the North Korean border, all he hears is that propaganda broadcast over and over again. There's and no Trump on the, on the TV. Yeah, there's like no one else. No one else out there. And so and when he does pick up the phone, I do feel like he's just picking it up and there's actually no one there. There really is literally no one there. But he just feels like if someone did pay him like a little bit of attention, if someone really was there for him just for a little bit, then things would be a little more normal or things would feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, so that's what I think about the phone calls. About the phone calls, what about that one time he picked up the phone and he heard like gasping and do you remember that one? Yeah, I remember. How would you explain that? Mm, I don't know, but it was Hamey, correct? It was a That's phone call from Hamey, most supposedly, likely. Supposedly, yeah. That one, I'm not too sure, but I, I know, like when the when the phone calls first came out, it's the same thing. If anything, if it is Hamey, if it was actually Hamey, then it probably was actually Hamey, because there were times where it was actually her, right? When mm-hmm. she was calling from the airport in Africa, so there are times where it is actually real, but I do feel like there are times where it's nothing at all. I still think it's just like it's mysterious, you know. Like there are other loose ends kind of happening in the film as well. The phone calls, I think, being the biggest one, and you know, the court case being another one. Like, like it, it doesn't make any sense, you know. And the mom, like when he random when he, ass mom. I know he like met with his mom, and she was playing like Candy Crush or something the whole time that they were there. And then, oh yeah, like the well stuff too, you know. Yeah. Like that's like a huge like. What? Like, what is this? Yeah. You're like, uh, everyone's telling a different story. Like, I don't know what's true. Right. And you're just kind of like, okay, like, and and then what does this well have to do with anything? Like, there's like a loose end, and it's like, okay, like, why is that there? And I think it's just again to push on this button of like mystery and stuff like that. I just posted this thing I found on Wikipedia. Yeah. Why don't you read it? It's very interesting. I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize it was a South Korean thing, too. I knew it was in other Asian nations, but yeah, that definitely made it big. It stood out to me the most, for sure. In South Korea, tetraphobia is less extreme. The number four sounds like deceased and died, but the floor number four, or room number four, is almost always skipped in hospitals, funeral halls, and similar public buildings. In other buildings, the fourth floor is sometimes labeled F instead of the, the number four in elevators. Apartment numbers containing multiple occurrences of the number 4, such as 404, are likely to be avoided to an extent that the value of the property is adversely affected. So, that's Hmm. very Very interesting interesting. how he lives on the fourth floor of his Gondam apartment. Oh, and Gondam is a very rich district in South Korea. Like the song. Yeah, like the song. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. (laughs) It's like... Uh, I guess you can say it's like the Beverly Hills. Yeah, like Hollywood, LA, mm-hmm. like yeah. really high yeah. class. Yeah, I wanted to go back to something that you had said, Larry, like the the greenhouse metaphor. This movie is actually based on a short story by Haruki Murakami, mm-hmm. a Japanese author. Title of his short story is called Barn Burning. Barn Burning is actually the name of another short story by... Um, 
William Gosh. Faulkner. William Faulkner. And oh, Faulkner okay. is uh, mentioned a few times in the film by the protagonist and by Ben. Jong Su had mentioned it, and then Ben decided to start reading Faulkner. I don't know. Maybe greenhouses are just more common in Korea than barns yeah. are. That's what I would imagine. That's why they changed it to greenhouses. But okay. I think the same idea is there. I feel like we're going into more theories than we are themes, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. And you could come, you can take, take us back to themes and stuff. Oh, oh, well, it's fine. But I know I had something to say about the greenhouse thing. Um, but Jason was looking it up and reading stuff. And like, apparently greenhouse, I might be totally butchering this, but like it translate to something, I think in Korean where it's, similar to like something about like plastic surgery and like women having plastic surgery hmm. so i jason read that somewhere i don't know where but if someone finds it then you can read it yeah so that takes an interesting turn if you think about it like that like not burning greenhouses if, but instead you know ben used that word but maybe he meant it as like burning you know i don't know like women who has had like plastic surgery like hamey or, you know, like killing someone. But, yeah. I think it's intentional. It doesn't sound like it's theory at this point. <laughs> I'm very sure it's intentional. <laughs> and then other themes. I mean, I mean, classism, like I'd mentioned earlier, like is a pretty big theme. I mean, other than that, I mean, there's some political stuff going on as well with um, Puja, the town that he grew up in, being so close to um, the North Korean border. Yeah. Um, and Trump being on the TV all the time, you know, stuff like that. Puja sounds like it's it's being affected by the broadcast and whatnot, right? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, sure. One of the big thing I notice is just like life after, just like life in general, or like life after, you know, when you finish school and whatnot. Um, that, that's what I took the most out of it, because even my personal experience from this, it, it felt it, it felt the exact same way. It felt like you know, lost. Felt like I'm just working just to meet you know do the bare minimum and such and it's like is this what life all really is it kind of gets you thinking like man like what 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 it is what is it that can really make life feel more fulfilling what is it that can make life so much more than what it is you know and for Jongsu, it was being with others or at least you know being there for someone or having someone to care about and then for Haimi, it was as she was still trying to discover it you know maybe perhaps it's traveling the world or living life to its fullest and such and then for for ben you know uh, what gave him the most thrill was that feeling of like having a purpose in terms of like wanting to like hunt down and <laughs> like literally hunt down and take on like these women and such and so it's it's just yeah for sure it's more about like finding what it is what it is you can bring out of life and you kind of you kind of see a little bit glimpses of it actually throughout the whole film from all the characters right you're looking at Hamie's family you know they just run a restaurant you know that's pretty much all they do you know that's life for them and you see Ben's friends you know they just go out and party every day always have a hangout whatever you know that's all they do and you just kind of just get glimpses of everyone's life and how they kind of see it. And it's like, man, like, what is it? Like, what is life? What is f most fulfilling? It's kind of different for everyone. Or maybe everyone is just trying to just kind of take it, take life, you know, one day at a time. That's a good, like, observation. Another thing that I noticed, I mean, that we've mentioned before is loneliness 
I mean, you can see from each different character like how lonely they are. Just because we mm-hmm. see like Jung Soo, like you know, in the beginning, like his family, they're all. I mean, his mom is hella random. His dad is now in jail, and then we hear about his sister that you know we don't see. So he, you know, he's by himself. Like each character, they're by themselves, give or take. You know, those scenes with Ben's friends, but you know, even then, like there's just a mystery around their families. So we can just kind of see like through that, like there's no family, they have little to no friends and you can just kind of see like the loneliness throughout like the whole film. Yeah. And I also think that speaks to like, they also talked about how young people in Korea were like the most unemployed and stuff like that. And I think that the film is about three young people, people our age who are like, I think the majority of people our age live lives by themselves like this all like you guys had said like trying to find a purpose in life trying to navigate their loneliness you know and everybody kind of navigates that loneliness in a different way i think you guys i agree with what you guys said hit the nail on the head what about like the elements of the film right so we're looking at like the color the the mood the music the music is uh it's interesting because, like, the music wasn't really, like, full-blown orchestra kind of stuff, right? Yeah. It's very, like, very indie, very suspenseful, but not as suspenseful. It's 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 a weird combination. And most of the time, there really aren't... There's not that much music, though, to be honest. Yeah, um, there isn't. It, even, like, during the quieter moments where jong is just driving throughout the countryside is when we don't really get much music. It's a lot of it's just kind of just we're just kind of taking in the moment, the silence and whatnot. Yeah. And then we have like towards the end when Jungsu gets a lot more suspicious of Ben. That's when we start to hear more of the music and it starts to kind of ante up a little bit more in terms of like what's at stake. And, you know, is Hamie, you know, is Hamie alive? Is, or, you know, where's Hamie? What's wrong with her? And where's she at? Where she's at, basically. And that's when we kind of start to feel more of the emotions of the character that's where the music starts to kind of kick in and such and then in terms of like coloring and everything it's very uh i don't really think it stands out too much to be honest it's just it's very blue hued i feel like it is and i think the more bigger one that stood out was when they're at the farm when the three of them were at the farm and it was like the sun was setting yeah i think that's probably the most iconic that would be the most iconic iconic shot yeah and like um, scenes yeah Mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's the movie poster yeah i think it is yeah 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 there's a few and i think that's one of them yeah and in, in terms of like cinematography and music i think yeah music didn't play a big part i think that was like for a reason but i think the biggest part where music did play a big part in the movie was when they're all at the farm and then you know when Hamy starts like dancing and you know you hear like like the was it a trumpet pretty sure it was like a trumpet yeah, it was like this. Yeah, it was like this jazz music. Yeah, which was very interesting. It's like, hmm, like I wonder, like what the director's thoughts was on that, or why, like he wanted to put that specific type of music in that particular scene. I thought that the way it was shot was really beautiful. There were scenes where it's just like it was longer than you expected. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh they're gonna we're gonna see the sunset but we're gonna see it for like a few minutes so i thought that was a very interesting take on how like he like directed and the song was a trumpet and i'm not sure if it is miles davis or not i I think it is i remember reading somewhere 
Yeah, if it is Miles Davis, then that that comes straight from the uh, from the short story okay. by Murakami. Um, that's just I think that was like an element of just kind of like again like this reiteration of Hamie's carefree character. It's just like this jazz trumpet that's blowing off into the into the night. That's just kind of who she is, and and maybe even in that moment. <laughs> That's kind of when her character was kind of like seeing the last of herself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, before she goes off and gets killed. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> what did you think about it, Jonathan? Like cinematography-wise, coloring and music. I think the music was good. There's this like I don't know what it's not really like a song, but it's more like a motif that always comes back once in a while. I think um, I know what you're talking about. And we hear it. I think the first time he looks out the window, either out into the city from the apartment building or out into the field from her bedroom, from Hamie's bedroom, that also stood out to me, music-wise. Because, like you guys said, like there's not much music, and so when there is music, it's very intentional about kind of what's happening in the shot.、Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about the way it was shot? I thought it was well done. You know,、um, the cinematography was was pretty good. I. The director did a good job just telling us that this is from Jungsu's perspective, you know. And so, yeah, I I thought it was good. I don't really have any comments on like coloring or like scene movement or anything like that. But、mm-hmm. um, I it it was easy to follow for me at least. Yeah, there aren't that many cuts. Like, there's a lot of shots where it just sort of like it pulls out where you kind of see either all three or two of them if they're kind of interacting. You know. You, There's very little cuts in between them, and it's never really a close-up. It's always like a medium kind of shot. You want close-ups when you're trying to get a feel for the character, when you're trying to, you know, trying to see their emotion, kind of figure out what it is they're feeling. But because these two characters never ever really feel anything, you don't really see a close-up shot. It's always like a medium shot because you know you don't really need to kind of discern what they're feeling because you can't do it anyway. You know, because these characters are not portraying how it is they feel. It's only just kind of like their overall, their overall shot. So that's what I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, something that I thought was interesting was how most of the story was told from Jongsu's perspective. But then there were some scenes of Ben, like in his apartment, towards the end, where like you see him like putting on his contacts and you know putting makeup on the girl. That was very interesting, like switching from Jongsu and then going to Ben. It's just like. But now I'm confused. But they weren't really saying much in those scenes. But then they also were saying a lot about Ben. Yeah, I think I think that also kind of reiterates that theory that I had mentioned earlier, where like the film's true ending is Jung Soo sitting in Hamie's apartment writing. You know, yeah, yeah. because that's the moment after, right after that we switch to Ben. So I think that. That kind of reiterates that for me, at least. I can't remember when it was in the movie, but it's somewhere when, I, probably probably when they first meet. You know, Jongsu tells Ben that he's a writer, and then Ben tells him like to write Ben's story, which I thought was interesting. I was like, hmm. So maybe I was thinking like just the theory from then on, like could Jongsu be telling Ben's story? Thoughts? Yeah. Do you remember when that was in the film?、Uh, I know they were sitting. I don't know if it was at the farm or if it was before that. I feel like it must have been before that. It was before. I think it was at the coffee shop. Oh, it was at the coffee shop. Okay. Because、mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think it was at the、um, 
when they went to go eat right after they got back from the airport, I don't think it was that. Yeah, I don't think it was that soon. Because okay. at that point, you don't really know too much about Ben. Okay, so then, it, yeah. yeah, it must have been the coffee shop or something. The film uh, warrants another watch for theories like that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Any other theories you guys have? I thought the cat was Oh my gosh, fake. the cat. I thought the cat was fake. Yeah. You know, it was funny how, like, Jungsoo brought it up. It was like, oh, is your cat, like, <laughs> is your cat, like, like you know, maybe if, if I pretend it isn't there, or, or maybe I forget it isn't there, that it is there, you know? <laughs> that was, like, really funny. Like, yeah, I would totally say something like that, too. <laughs> For, like, the entire film, until we actually see the stupid cat, like, I thought the cat represented, like, um, his like sexual desire or something like that because <laughs> like Amy's like hey can you come watch my cat you know and then right after that they watch like yeah they like go into <laughs> her apartment and then they have sex and so like I thought that like the cat was just like and then every single time he would go to the apartment he would you know masturbate and so like I thought the cat was like this analogy <laughs> for like or metaphor for his like sexuality or like for his like sex life or something. He found poop in the kitty litter. So I don't know. Could the cat have been real? Then what the heck? Then why would them there be poop in the kitty litter? Did he poop in the kitty litter? <laughs> 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 Just randomly showed up. Yeah, man. I I don't know. I have no idea. When, but then anyway, when when I saw the cat in the apartment, I was like, "Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Like, the cat's actually real, <laughs> or is it?" Yeah, it was. I was just like, <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, I was like, man, I had a theory about the cat, and it was like, and of it's all wrong. The that would blow you away. <laughs> it's that darn cat. <laughs> yeah, literally in my notes, I have boil the cat as one of the main ideas in the film. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and the cat's name was Boyle, which is, like, so weird. Not a theory, but something, like, I noticed when Jongsu talks about reminiscing about his dad and his mom. Like, when his mom left, his dad made Jongsu, like, was it Jongsu, burn all of her clothes? Yeah. And then, like, I guess... I'm, I don't know, I'm looking at this picture right here on the IMDb page and it's like the little boy, but he's looking at a greenhouse burn. And then at the end, you see how like all the rage and all the anger that Jongsu had about, you know, his theory about Ben possibly killing Haimi, like then he essentially burns Ben's car. So that's just like something that I noticed. And in addition to burning Ben's car, he burns his clothes. Um, he just literally strips naked in the middle of the road and burns everything. Yeah, and I thought that the place that he picked was a little reckless too. I'm like, dude, if you're going to kill someone, why would you kill someone when you see a car coming right there and hoping they're not wondering what you're doing? Right. So I thought that was like a little reckless too. Yeah, but he's not a trained killer like Ben, so (laughs) he wouldn't know. (laughs) Alleged killer. (laughs) No, he's a killer. Well, well, I'm talking about Ben. (laughs) Yeah, Ben's a killer. I think Ben's a killer. You think so? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Did you guys did you guys see that thing I sent? That theory? Yeah. Actually, trafficking was actually one thing I thought of too. Like yeah. Just another theory, but I do think he does kill them simply because he has a lot of those serial killer tendencies, and even like like watching like like I've seen a lot of like Dexter, which is like a serial killer series, and then. Even like watching other serial killer stuff, like he has 
those exact same tendencies, you know, getting a thrill, keeping trophies, and all that other stuff. Like, like for, for trafficking, you don't really keep trophies. <laughs> you True. Just, you just find targets. You sell them off. But I do think he's definitely a killer because he has a little... I think he has more evidence to being a killer. And there's more things that point out to it. Living on the fourth floor, being rich, living by himself. Yeah, there's just... I feel like there's just a lot of things that lead to that. So I do think Ben, ben is a killer. I think Ben is... I don't know if Ben is a killer. Ben did do something bad to Hamey. That's, that's all I really know. Yeah. I mean, at the end, when he goes and sees Jongsu, he's like, where's Hamey? I thought you, she was coming, you know? It's like, but why would you go if you know that you killed her? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's what I was like. Mm, I don't know if he killed her or not. He, yeah, right. he probably yeah, he did probably... something, but I don't think he killed her. Because if he killed her, why would he come? It sounds like a front. I do think it's still part of that front. He was trying to keep up with Jungsu, kind of like that persona he was already showing Jungsu. He wanted to keep that around, but it does feel a little more extreme. Like Ben could have just fell off the radar and totally not meet up with Jungsu at all. But I don't think he knew he would, he would kill him. Yeah, Cause, maybe it was just cause, like cause... in that moment, like decision. Jungsu already had like an innocent personality and i think ben already kind of assumed that from him you know he's not gonna think jungsu didn't give away anything at all that he was suspicious but like super duper suspicious of him yeah i don't know but then like he was following ben the whole time yeah like how can you not know that someone's following you or not you know like how can you not know but then again ben could be just as naive as jungsu but yeah who knows one thing that like my roommate had theorized was about that one time when Jongsu was following Ben up the mountain. Ben had driven all the way up to the top and there was the quarry. My roommate was theorizing that that's where he puts all his bodies. Like he drops them in the quarry there. Yeah, um, he went there twice, I think. Oh, did he? I thought he went there twice. I just okay. remember that one time. Yeah, I remember the one time. Okay, and maybe I'm, all these things are in my head. Well, you yeah. saw it twice, so technically he did do it. <laughs> yeah, so um, my roommate was like, yeah, that's probably where he just dumps all his bodies. And then another reason to think that Ben is the killer, um, or a killer. Yeah, or else why, why, why would he go up there? It doesn't make any sense. Maybe it gives him a sense of peace. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Looking at a quarry? I don't know. I thought it was just like a plain like a wide plain field but if it was a quarry then yeah that totally changes things yeah i think it was a a quarry it's filled with water i think um obviously i wanted to watch this because steven yun was in it and uh, i think he did a phenomenal job with his character because i mean we haven't really seen him in a movie like this so that's one of the main reasons why i wanted to watch it and after you know watching it and seeing all these like reviews about it and like all these awards that they won i'm just like okay like maybe it's that good and i should watch it and i'm glad i did because definitely makes you think about you know more than just like the typical like movie that we see nowadays it's like it's making you think and it's very philosophical i think overall the film was really good when you had mentioned it i was like okay sure and then i looked it up on rotten tomatoes and it had over a hundred reviews and was like 92 percent or something like that and so i was intrigued and you said it was kind of like a a mystery and so mystery thriller and so i was like okay yeah that'd be interesting i think that the film 
is beautiful in a lot of ways. It's very raw and it does give you that slice of life sort of feel. And it lures you in in such a way that keeps you hooked, but just enough. And so it has this, you know, like you said, like a slow burning sort of feel. And it's it's a sad film, I would say, but one that definitely pushes you to think a little bit about what you're actually watching instead of it's not like a what one of my friends calls it's not like mind candy like avengers or an action film or something like that it's something that you have to sit and think about and uh, wonder why the director or the writer put you through an adventure like that film generally is a very passive experience you're just kind of sitting there taking it all in but this kind of film requires you to be a lot more engaged. You have to really put yourself and immerse yourself into the actual film. So that way you can understand and feel what's going on, what the characters are going through. In addition to the actual story itself, also take a step backwards and kind of see what it is the director is trying to say, what they're trying to foreshadow, what it is they're trying to do. And it's very much like a classic like one of those books you would have to you would read uh, to kind of really pinpoint and understand the overall themes of the book and in this particular film it does the exact same thing so it's one of those films that really certainly does get you to think it's one of those films where you can keep watching over and over again and you'll definitely pick out or notice details that you didn't notice before and yeah it's definitely I would definitely say like a favorite film of mine and I do think they did a great job all the actors uh, the writers, the director, yeah, they did a really good job with this film because there's just so many dynamics that play onto it where it, it really kind of brings out what it is the director is trying to say or what it is the director is trying to, trying to do with all the elements of a film. It takes advantage of what a film is really good at. So yeah, definitely I agree. Definitely one of my favorite films this year so far. So I realized that we didn't really do introductions at the beginning of this why don't we just do introductions now? Oh, my name is Larry, and uh, I'm a film enthusiast. I think I didn't really get into films really until high school. And then when I went to college, that's what I studied. I went, to, I studied TV and film production. And uh, since then, I've just been kind of absorbing and kind of taking in all types, all types of storytelling media. And film is just one of those mediums that it's very universal universal but also very unique to its either to its audience as well and so see so yeah, i've been watching films for for like ever pretty much but didn't really get into it just until recently as my siblings and i wanted to as we started to share more and more common interests in these types of films that's when we decided to get together and just start talking about it really digging deep really sinking our teeth into this type of content my name is jonathan and I guess you could say that I'm a film enthusiast as well. I love a good film and also have really gotten into uh, good TV shows lately as well. And this podcast is going to be covering both film and TV, just kind of dependent on what the three of us think is just kind of something that is relevant to what our interests are um, and what people might want to hear. And so, yeah, I, I think that media is a very important way in which a lot of us live out our daily lives and we oftentimes don't pay too much attention to how it shapes us or forms us. And so I, I think that with a little bit of intentionality on what we watch, what we take in, I think that it could be really formative 
to who we are as people and can even transform us in ways that we wouldn't know. My name is Jessica, and I guess you could say I'm also a film enthusiast, but I would like to also say that I'm also a TV enthusiast. Um, I love a good for me, I love a good story, and I love uh, good characters that, you know, reflect things in us and things that we want to see in our own lives. I've been watching films and TV for a long time, and just recently I've been really following just the the whole like Asian representation and just being able to seeing other Asian actors on screen just being able to see like myself like reflected in some way so that's been really big and important for me I'm Larry I'm Jonathan and I'm Jessica and thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the outside story and we'll see you guys next time if you guys have any questions, comments, or any recommendations for us, you can email us at info at